0: This is the Sold School Podcast, episode four. Welcome to the Sold School Podcast. I'm your host, Will Mansour. I'm here today with my co-host, Sean Getty.
1: Hi. (laughs) He's always on his
0: phone texting because we're on Instagram, blitzing, because that's what he does. And we got a special guest today, Uh, (coughs) Been an agent for not a long time, but he is crushing it. So, Make sure you stick around to the end to listen to his story and learn some really good nuggets so you can crush your business too if you're new. And his name is Anuj Ralhan. What's up, Anuj? Hey, Will. Hey, Sean. What's happening? What's up, guys? So today we are going to be talking about working with buyers in this insane, chaotic, volatile market and all things that you can do to make your business better with those buyers. So without further ado, let's get into this. We're working with buyers and, um, you know, it's the, it's the volatile, uh, seller's market in all aspects of the word. It is fucking nuts. And, uh, I'm just going to, today we're going to talk about a lot of different things that you can do in your business to help you make that, that transition of smoothness for your buyer when they buy, because as we know, it's not going to happen on the first time. and. Uh, you know, I, I just experienced this last night where, you know, I, I went with my ninth offer with my buyers, and we finally got a deal done, and uh, I couldn't be more happy uh, for my buyers. So, news I'm going to start with you. Uh, give me the number one thing that you uh, think is important when working
2: with buyers in this in this crazy market that we're in. I think in this market, the most important thing is setting their expectations right, right, because. Uh, they might have their dreams that, oh, I want to get this property at this price. This is my budget. Maybe they're looking at, because there are a lot of information, believe me, right? There's a lot of information available at public domains, right? But they don't have in-depth information. So they believe, they look at those numbers and they think that this is what is going to happen. And this is what it says. This is what it should be, right? So setting their expectation, right, uh, at, uh, in the first meeting is very important. So, and you can take your game, you can start your game from there. What do you think about that, Sean?
1: I absolutely love that. Yeah. It's um, you, you definitely have to have the right game plan and set the right expectations for these guys. Otherwise you're just going to get blown out of the water every time. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, setting that the tone at the beginning is very important. And um, you know, if you don't, you don't want to set the tone after offer uh, five or six, but uh, you want to set the tone up front and, and make sure that the, ma- the expectations are managed. Let yeah. them know that, you know, hey, you're going to probably lose this one um, if you're not going to go to bat. Sometimes, listen, we've all been there where these, these buyers, uh, they won't listen to you. And they need to really go through the process and experience one or two losses until you have credibility with them. now that doesn't mean it's the same with all buyers. It's, it's different with other buyers, maybe with people that know, like, and trust you. It's different than opposed to cold leads that are buyers. But I think it's an important point, Anuj, when you mention, uh, you know, managing the expectations, set them right at the beginning. Okay. So um, one of the things I want to talk about uh, too, uh, Sean, is when you uh, fire people. So I remember you telling me a story about a particular buyer who wanted to house hack a property and his mother got involved. How did you handle that? Like, I'm sure there's people out there, agents out there that work with buyers who, especially first-time home buyers, where the mom and pop are coming along uh, in the dog and pony show and they're looking at you like you got two heads and you don't know what you're doing and you're a criminal. So tell me about that story. Tell the news. Tell the listeners.
1: Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. It was um, a girl that came uh, onto my team almost a year ago now. And so she brought a couple of buyers and everything with her. And one of the buyers that she brought um, that she'd been shopping with for over a year, like a year and a half. And what happened is the mom was giving part of the down payment for the house, a huge part of the deposit, actually. So almost 100 grand. And uh, she was dictating the sale because of that. Even though the son had his own money, he could put down his own uh, deposit. Obviously not that much compared to what the mom was going to give. So she was kiboshing deals all the time, you know, making it that perfect house and you can't find the perfect house. And she just found problems with everything. So the first time we went out, uh, qualifying is like one of my strong suits. And I think everybody should work on qualifying. It's like, if you don't know what pain points to solve, then you can't solve the problem for the people. So right away, I get into the pain points. And uh, I realized that these guys are looking at a house hack and they're looking for an investment property and they're okay to live downstairs, rent out the upstairs. Super, super smart for, you know, a young, young person, young family and young, young couple in this case to get into real estate. And um, one of the first houses we saw on the first day out was an income property where the basement suite was awesome. It was super perfect. And uh, upstairs would have rented for almost 75% of what the mortgage would have been. So you're like, that's a no brainer situation, right? You're living for almost nothing. Yeah. So I told him, yeah, like we should make an offer on this one. This is going to go in a bidding war. This is what we should put. And the mom was like, I would never pay this for this house. And there's no way. And it's way overpriced. And we wanted to come like way under, under list. I'm like there's no under list in this market. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't exist. Right. And uh, so what happened is I knew as long as the mom was there, uh, we were never going to get a deal done. She just had unreal expectations of, of what the reality was. So I had to pull the son aside, the one who's actually buying the property. And I just said, you have to get your mom out of the deal. And he's like, oh, I can't, you know, I should trust her opinion and she's giving money and everything. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I, I get it, right? You know, she's obviously done well enough in life to be able to help you out like this. But you need to think of this as if you're going to the hospital for a surgery. And if you're going to the hospital and uh, you're gonna get whenever, some, whatever you need to get, obviously your mom wants the best for you to come out uh, healthy and happy and, you know, not, not die. I go, but who are you going to trust the surgeon or your mom to do the actual procedure? And he's like, well, obviously the surgeon. I'm like, okay, well, in this case, I'm the surgeon. I'm the doctor. I'm the one that does hundreds of deals a year. I'm the one that knows what's going to happen in the market and the value, not someone who's sitting outside that's done five or six deals in their life. I do that in a week. He's like, oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. And uh, we ended up losing that house and the sale price was very, very close to what I said it would have been. So we would have ended up winning that one. I'm like, look, like that could have been your house, right? And now that's the new minimum for the community. And now you're gonna have to pay that or more. So uh, super tough conversation. He ended up kicking his mom out of the deal. She didn't give the money. He was off shopping on his own. And uh, once again, I found out what he was looking for. Uh, The very next day we went on shopping, we found something that was super perfect for him, bought it, incredibly happy. It's been a year later. Like they're super stoked about the home that they bought. It's exactly what they're looking for. And we were able to get that transaction done. Now, what happened if we never did that segregation and took the mom out, uh, they'd still be shopping now, right? And the market has gone up incredibly since they bought. So they would have missed all of that equity because someone was in there not letting them pull the pin on a deal.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's a good point about missing all that equity because uh, when you talk about that, every time a buyer loses because they don't trust or listen to what you're saying, they lose as well, right? They, they lose big because the next time they go to buy something, the equity that they could have had is gone. And what eventually ends up happening, guys, is they price themselves out of the market. Now, this person that you dealt with, if you didn't have that segregation and created that separation with the mom, they wouldn't have bought. They would have been still looking today. They probably wouldn't have been able to afford what they were looking for because prices have increased so much and they priced themselves out of the market. I see it all the time. You, you tell your buyer, you know, you need to be at, you know, a million five for this if you want it. No, I'm going to go a million three, five. And then the house sells for a million five. And then they do that again and again and again. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't want to work with you anymore. You're not listening to me. Um, I managed the expectations at the beginning, but it's clearly not working because I'm telling you a million five, you're doing a million three five. You're trying to play real estate agent. And every time you do, it costs you money. Right. And it costs the agent time. So um, it's important that, you know, back to those expectations, obviously, they got to be managed and you got to be firm with your buyers. Don't be a transactional door opener and just write deals. They hired you to be the doctor that you are. You're not a doctor, but in Sean's uh, case, his analogy there, that's what they're hiring you for. So do your job. They're not going to get upset with you. That's what they hired you to do, right? Not to write contracts.
1: They're going to be upset when six, seven, eight, nine months goes by and the market goes up 100 grand and they're priced out of the market. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's another conversation I have with people saying like these guys, um, is I tell them like, listen, like I sell a lot of real estate. I don't need practice opening doors and I don't need practice going through homes, right? We ain't going buy-in or sorry, we ain't going shopping. We're going buy-in when we go out. And because I qualify really well and really strong, uh, I can pick properties that are going to work or aren't going to work before we go and see them. So I can, we can omit stuff. We're not just out there spinning tires and- what happens is that gives me the confidence to translate that to the, to the buyers quickly and uh, let them know that they're in good hands and that they're not just going to like literally lose hundreds of thousands of dollars by being with an agent that can't get deals done.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Okay.
1: So what can an
0: agent do that doesn't do a lot of deals? Because let's be honest, there's not a lot of us out there. Um, There's a lot of us that want to do deals, but there's not a lot that actually do deals. So say you're an agent who doesn't do a lot of deals um, how would you handle that? Like maybe a news, you can speak to this. Like, so if you you were in a market and you had buyers, but you didn't really know what to like do a lot of deals with buyers in that area, what would you do to educate yourself so that it would you would act like you have done a lot of deals there? What are some of the things you would do?
2: Right. Uh so first of all, you have to do your homework, I believe, right? Uh so even before you start talking to your clients, right? If you know what the market they're looking into, right? Do your homework, right? Check out what the market trend is, right? Even when you are not busy, right? We uh, don't let's say you don't have uh, many clients because you're fairly new. Exactly when I started, right? So I started on the same grounds. I looked into those things and I started educating myself, right? And then there are resources available. Collaborate, right? With people who know the business. Right, so uh, reach out to people for help. Right, and uh, and if you know, if you can educate yourself, and you know what you're talking about. Right, and uh, pass on the same information to your client. Right, and educate them.
0: Yeah, one of the things I always do is I look at trends. So uh, price trends, days on the market trends, and I know I'm talking. You know, I'll do 30 day trends, 21 uh, day trends, 14 day trends, seven day trends. And I have those on me all the time so that if I'm with people and I'm talking and they're like, they always ask this question when I'm in the house. So what do you think this would go for? Right. And you're like, well, I don't fucking know. Like, what do the comparables say? What do the comparables mean? The comparables are fucking useless right now. You can list your house for a dollar and sell it for 2 million. It's irrelevant. And by the way, if you do list for a dollar, don't be bragging on social media that you sold the house for a million over list. You'll get tarred and feathered. That's, that's not good marketing. Uh, but but it's nice to know, and I'm like, you know what? The trend in this area over the last 30 days is X. The last 14 days is Y. Here's the, the average days on the market is irrelevant right now because everything's selling in single days or hours. Um, and, you know, other things I would do is say, and here's where it really gets tricky, is when say nothing is sold in that area for months, right? And all of a sudden there's a house for sale. So the last sale was four months ago. How do you how do you justify the comparable then? Right? What has the market gone up since the last time that last house sold to today? You can estimate it's gone up 12%. So you put 12% on that list price, and then you're in around the one, four, one, five mark. So exactly the other night, I, I forecast that the last sale on a house in this area went for one, two, uh, one two, two, five. Okay, or no, one, three, four, five. Sorry. And uh, no, one, two, two, five. I'm sorry. And so basically I added 12% to that and it got me in the one, four, one, four, five range. Okay. So I told my buyers, listen, market's gone up this many percent since this last sold. As a result, you're looking to buy this in this price range. Okay. Not this price, this price range. And we ended up actually winning the deal last night in that price range as a result. And the market justified it because it's gone up. The other question I always say to my buyers is, how long are you planning on staying here, right? Obviously things change, but is this a five-year house? Is this a 10-year house? Because if it isn't, if it's a two-year house, this might not be the right thing to pull the trigger on, right? Because you're over overpaying anyways right now. And if you're gonna sell in a year or two, you might as well just freaking rent, right? So those are some of the things that I ask and I do prepping, going into certain areas and markets that I work in with buyers um, because I, and obviously setting the price expectation, um, but yeah, Sean, what do you got on this? I know you have a formula on, on how you calculate overspending, right?
1: Well, kind of, we're, we're working on the formula at all times because the market, right? Yeah. But like you just like there, there has to be, you know, kind of some math to the equation that you're using. But, um, you know, realistically right now with the way that, that things are going, it's kind of whatever your max budget is, is kind of where you got to go. But, um, yeah, we used to do uh, 7,000 for the first 10 people, 6,000 for the next 10 people and 5,000 after that. So, you know, if there's 15 people bidding, that'll get you a little over 100 grand over. And you just you just judge your offer by how many people are bidding is kind of what it is, not by the not by the uh, market stats.
0: See, for me, I always the advice I always give my buyers because you know they can get really intimidated by the number of offers because multiple offers is a is a really uh, emotional thing, right? And your your job is to make sure you talk them off the ledge. But I always just say, look, you can't worry or control anything about any other offer but your own. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on what your best foot forward is and go in that way. Because obviously if you're worrying, oh my God, there's 30, there's 40, there's 50 offers. It doesn't matter if there's 200. You can only control the outcome of your own. And and, and you might not even be able to control that outcome because you might put your best foot forward and it still might not be enough, Right. Uh, So there's a bit of psychology involved when dealing with buyers um, rather than just being like, Hey, do you like this house? Yeah. Okay. What's your best price? Okay. Let's, let me put that offer in for you. And there's guys out there and gals out there that do that. Right. And that is a big boo-boo. Sorry. Yeah. No good at all. No good. Um, So has anybody ever lost a buyer because of trying to, put offers in on properties and it not working, even though you're doing your job and the buyer turns around and says, you're useless, I'm fucking out of here. I've tried nine times with you, I'm gonna go try nine times with somebody else.
2: You
1: ever had that happen? Oh. You can go Anoush, I'm sure you've got a couple.
2: <laughs> uh, it happened the other way actually, right? Uh, so uh, so I fired a client right? I was working with because I set the expectations uh, in the beginning and uh, i told them like what the market is with their budget right what they could get right but i think uh, again because of uh, so many resources available online people think that they can google and they can become a doctor right right if you are coughing right it's not always covid right <laughs> In this world, it
1: is. I
0: don't know. Is that is that right? I don't know. Maybe it is COVID. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah, but people people Google at times and right, uh, and they think that they know everything. Right? They know the trend. They know the stats. Uh, but they don't understand that when you're doing it day in day out, right? You understand the nerves. You understand the market. You understand the vibes of what's happening around, right? Uh, if some property has been sold for a lesser amount, right? There could there could be various reasons. It could be a desperate seller. It could the property could be like it's not the right property, right? So, uh, so uh, with this particular client I was working with, right, uh, we got into a situation where we almost got the property and they backed out last minute. And I told them that, hey, you're not only losing the property, right? Like Sean said before, right? This is the new benchmark. The, now you're going to, you have to put way more money than the amount which was offered. And it was not in hundreds. It was only in few thousands, right? So we banked out because of those thousand dollars. And unfortunately they're out of the market. Yes. They're already out of the market. And how many offers did you do with these guys again? Uh, nine. Nine offers,
0: nine's a round number, man. Um, that sucks. Yeah, I, I haven't had it a situation where uh, a buyer's left me. Um, in a long time, uh, to be honest with you. I, I always when I do my business planning, I always account for losing a few buyers and sellers along the way to get to my numbers. Um, but when buyers do leave me, it's basically ones that don't know like and trust me yet. They're cold leads as opposed to people that know, like, and trust me. Uh, and that's where the real skill comes in is turning those buyers that are cold. Uh, into uh, warm people that you can do business with. Uh, that's a skill in itself. And some people are very good at it and some people are not, uh, but it's a muscle. You got to keep working it and getting better at it. Uh, it. If you're not good at it, you will be. But if you're, you haven't started, start uh, working in those cold leads to turn them into warm. The other thing I wanted to talk about was listing agent rapport. This is a really important one, I think. And you guys will probably agree with me Every single time, and listen, it doesn't mean you're gonna win. It just it makes for a smoother transaction, win or lose. If you give the agent who's listing the property a call and just have a chat, let them know where you're at, and uh, you know, and, and see what their expectations are. Ask them how they plan on communicating, because the worst thing you can do is have an offer night as a listing agent, collect offers at one and ghost everybody for 12 hours. That makes me want to slap people. Like, I don't know about you guys, but you, it, it, what that listing agent is doing is it's they're not allowing you as the buyer agent to do your job with your client by ghosting you. So if you're a listing agent and you're hearing this, get your shit together, be organized, and make sure that you are fully communicating with everybody who's bringing your client an offer to buy their house, just be kind, okay? Don't be a dick. You guys got anything on that? Uh, yeah, lots. <laughs> being Brian, being a
1: yeah, <laughs> be, being a listing agent, and then you, uh, you know how organized I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, totally. um, but yeah, like actually, I had one uh, the other day where I was on the buy side. It was pretty cool. Uh, they had their admin send this out, but like, you know, you guys can do it or anybody can do it. And, uh, one second. Yeah. So what happened is, uh, they sent an email maybe like an hour or so before, um, the offer date or sorry, no way before like the day of, and then one more an hour before, and they listed all the agents that had sent offers and all the agents that they were expecting offers from, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. They're like, here's all the people that are making offers and the expense. full disclosure,
0: right? Full transparency, full disclosure. I love it. Yeah. Name,
1: yeah names and everything. Yeah. Uh, no prices. That'd be nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. It's not Florida. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that gave you like one opportunity to, to kick back in if you saw a name that you knew was a little more aggressive or, uh, if, uh, you just saw too many names, right. You wanted to adjust. So I thought that was pretty good. And then Uh, so that one, and then, um, yeah, once the offer was made, they sent another one email after saying, you know, thank you for your offer. We didn't choose yours. We chose whatever the person's name was. And, um, then they said, we have another property coming up and they they listed the next property. I'm like, oh, wow. Like that's super smart. Right. Get your, get your clients prep for it. So yeah, I would say you want to be, you know, on top of things for sure on the listing side, because it is nice when you're on the buy side, but they don't have to, they don't have to give a shit. Yeah. And the other one is just when we're talking about rapport, uh, one of the best ways to put yourself in a position to win is to have a good relationship with the listing agent. So I know for me, for example, uh, if I've got a realtor that I've worked with in the past and I know they do really good good work or they're really they're easy to work with or they get me all the things that I need on time, uh, you know, I'm more inclined to work with that person again. So now that you're going to go ahead and tell them how to win, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but uh, you know, you could certainly guide people in the right direction if you wanted to.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, again, mm-hmm. ethics, right. But uh, ethics.
1: Yeah, no, you can't tell them what to do, right. No. Like by, by all, all means, but when they send you an offer, you could be like, Hey, you know, you might want to just try one more time, but, um, well, you're allowed to do that. But, yeah. Uh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, uh, one of my buddies, uh, he's an agent, And, uh, he was, he bought my, uh, client's house for his family. And, um, you know, this is a nice segue into the next, uh, he ended up winning legit winning. I didn't do anything to push the deal his way. I don't do that. Uh, but he ended up winning the deal, but what he did also, and I want your opinion on this guys, is he with his offer as an agent, buyer agent representing himself acquisition of property put a letter with his offer and a full color photo of him his wife and his two kids and uh i already know this guy but my sellers didn't know him and they ended up seeing the letter and they saw the picture of him and his family and it resonated with them now he ended up winning anyways would they have taken a lesser offer his lesser offer. Probably not, because let's be honest, people want to squeeze the lemon and get as much money as they can out of their investment. But in this case, you know, I don't know that it actually skewed uh, because his closing date was a lot longer than they wanted to do than the other one. And the other one wasn't far off. It was five grand less than his, but they took his offer. And I never bothered asking and I probably should have. But what are your thoughts on these letters, guys? Everyone's sending them in. With their offers, uh, full color pictures. Some people are doing videos from the buyers, uh, telling the sellers how much they love their house. And you're you you know, have you ever received? Excuse me, anything like that, and not given it to the seller, or do you fully give everything that you receive to the seller? From I mean, I do, but sometimes you if you know your sellers, they don't give a shit about that stuff. It's all about dollars and cents, right?
1: It depends on the agent, realistically, right? So, like, it's another one of those things. Like, we we just got one the other day, and it's funny. The the guy set a, a you know a color picture and a whole write up, and it's probably done on canvas. Something it was pretty nice, and uh, they ended up winning the bidding war on my list thing, and they they won by quite a bit. And um, so we're talking after, and he's like, you know, you know, how much did I? How much tax? You know, they call it right. How much tax did I have to pay to, to get in first place? He goes, can you ease my mind? I go, yeah, for sure I can. He says, so how much? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. That's how I'm going to ease your mind. Because you not a lot, man. You <laughs> <cool. laughs> don't, don't want that number. And, <laughs> yeah, you don't want that number. Right?
0: No use, yeah. And then,
1: yeah. He's, then he's like, so, um, you know, did the letter help put us over the top? And I'm like, to be honest, I didn't even read the letter, man. I have no idea what it said. <laughs> I go, and neither did my clients. I go, we just looked at the numbers. Um, But so it depends on what kind of realtor you run into, right? And again, like the the ones that have been doing this a little bit longer, or I shouldn't even say longer, I hate that. But the ones that are a little higher in volume, uh, they've seen it enough times where they're not going to really let it impact things. I think the relationship with the realtor is going to be better, but there's so many realtors that only do a handful of deals a year, especially right now, especially listings. Yeah. And they will show it, right? Which is fine. Like, there's no reason not to. And I I advise writing a letter, but um, I don't think it's going to win you. Uh, an offer. I I think what it's going to do is if you really pull on their heartstrings and um, it matches with what the seller's kind of vibes are, it might give you a second shot where they're like, you know what, we're going to counter your offer and see if you come up. You know what I mean? You're you're still going to pay as much as everybody else, but you get that second shot.
2: Exactly. The second shot. What do you think about that, Anuj? I truly agree to what Sean said, right? Uh, uh, It's a personal experience though, right? So I was out uh, looking for a property, right? And uh, I reached there, I think, five minutes early. I was uh, trying to open the lockbox, and all of a sudden, somebody, right, opened the door, and mm-hmm. uh, she was, uh, and the the owner was in there, and uh, she was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm here, I'm still here." I rang the bell, obviously, I knocked at the door first, so I I thought there's no one in there, so I opened the uh, lockbox, right? And uh, we stood there, we spoke for almost fifteen minutes, right? I told her everything about myself right and uh i told her like how much i like this neighborhood obviously i didn't see the house until then right so i told her everything and uh in the end uh i don't know uh price wise right but i got the property at the listed price and which was likely cheaper right than the actual market value right so i ended up getting it right and uh the uh, the listing agent told me that uh apparently you spoke to the the owner right and uh, she liked you so much right that uh, she agreed with all your terms right because my closing i wanted maybe like i was like 120 days i don't know why but yeah, i asked for 120 days right and uh, i got that right so yeah you it's it's not always that you're going to win with it right but things like that they separate you right so and uh, like sean said right there is no harm giving it a shot and then as a listing agent right you, if you show it to your client, right, it might actually work out. In favor, if you're, if you're close, if you're in a close fight, right, like you did uh, in your case, Bill, right, 5,000 off, right? But, but they still took it.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the thing too, and this happened with my personal residence. I actually came in, this is back in 2009. And I, that back, back, back then we were presenting offers, right? So I came in and presented the offer for our house and uh, I was sitting at the, uh, the kitchen table upstairs in my house now, and uh, we ended up winning it. And I actually left the closing date blank for the, uh, for, for the sellers. You pick the closing date. I'm good with whatever. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, we were one of four offers, okay? And uh, I guess some of this stuff is, um, um, you know, it's, it's cultural. Uh, the people that owned my house before us were Japanese And it was really important to them, whoever bought the house. So when I came in, I kind of gave them my own spiel. I humanized. I'm the agent, but I'm also the buyer. Um, You know, we have friends that live in this area. Uh, We have two kids. They have kids and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, I go outside. I wait in my car. The agent calls me and she said, "Uh, you know what? you've, You've been successful. You've won the house. I'm like, wicked. So a couple months go by and we end up coming in. I come in and I see this guy and he's showing me around and he says to me, you know, I just want to let you know that you weren't the highest offer. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, you weren't the highest offer. We went with your offer. Yours was actually the second lowest. And I'm like, wow, I'm shocked. Why did you go with my offer if it wasn't the highest? And he says to me, because we felt that you were a better fit for the street. And I was like, wow. And so that kind of opened my eyes. I was like, holy crap. This guy took less. Now, he was here on a five-year visa. And his visa was up. So he's going back to Japan. And so, but he was like, I was shocked. I was like, really? And and he just said, we, you have kids. There's a lot of small kids on this street. You, I was able to come in and tell my story. But the other agents might not have been able to come in and tell their story. And because I was, and I humanized things it probably helped me in being successful with the house I'm in right now. So humanize things. I mean, you can do it with letters. You can do it with videos. You can have videos from the buyers to the sellers, uh, the the buyer agent to the listing agent. There's a ton of ways you can humanize things in our digital tech world that we live in now to maybe get you to the second round or have you win, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks you for your- saying that it reminded me of a story of one of my buddies uh, lives out in Vancouver. So I had nothing to do with the deal. And this is way before I was in real estate, but uh, yeah, it's super interesting. So he's, he's got a license to grow marijuana. Right. So he's totally legal. Um, but he was looking for a place to, to grow. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, legal. Uh, it's legal now. <laughs> was then too. Yeah. He, he, he had a license for a few hundred plants. Um, so anyway, <laughs> long story short, uh, he went in and um, he was offered it was like around a million dollars, which was a lot back then. Now it's nothing. But he was going in to uh, to make his offer. He was uh, uh, way under. Apparently, like the other realtor got back to them, and be like, "Yeah, like you're not even close. We're likely going with the other offer." And he happened to be driving by, and he just went in and started talking to the owner. It turns out the guy was an old H A guy, and uh, they were growing in there from way past time. And so he told him, "Yeah, like this is what I'm looking to do, and all of that stuff." And um, uh, they became friends, basically. And he like went back in the house and he showed him like all these like secret trapdoors and ways to get into like the garage and how it's all ready to go for it. And like, there's this is a pretty big property, you know, maybe like a half acre, right? Yeah. And yeah, it was cool. It was, like in a chicken coop. Like you, you went and you clicked the thing, and it went all the way to the garage and opened like a back door in the garage where you walked through, and it's all it was pretty cool uh so anyways he ended up selling the house to him because of what he was going to be using it for and you know complete fluke obviously right that it just he happened to be driving by the guy happened to be outside he happened to keep you know conversation going but um gave him a chance to readjust his offer and come up basically
0: you know and it's it's great that he was able to do that because you know a lot of people that they care about that shit right like who's going to be living in my home after i'm gone and you know it depends how long they've been there too like they could have had a ton of memories. Their kids would have brought up there. And all of a sudden they resonate with you because now you are coming in and you're going to bring your kids up in that house. And they might do that for you. Than somebody who is starting a family or doesn't have a family yet, or some single guy like Sean, who wants to buy the house and live in it and have slumber parties every weekend, they're probably going to sell it to a family oriented guy like Anuj or me. My mm-hmm. wife's listening, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. There's so many different things. I'm going to wrap up soon and get, get into a news, but is there anything you guys else when you guys want to touch on with buyers, uh, while we're on here and working in this crazy market, any advice we want to give to, to agents out there who are pounding salt?
2: i go ahead, Sean. No, go ahead, man. All right. All right. In uh, this buyers, uh, like uh, for buyers, and when you uh, for agents working with buyers, actually, right? Uh, don't don't lose your gas. Don't lose your hopes. Right, and work in the right direction. Right. Uh, I know a couple uh, of days ago I was talking to Sean about this, and uh, he said, right, it's not good to be nice, but it's good to be. What was it? What?
1: No, there's a difference between nice and kind.
2: Nice and kind, right? Exactly. Right. So, uh, so yeah if you're nice, right, you're basically just telling them that, hey, you know what, your time will come, right, and you might get it. As soon as you say, use, as soon as you use this word might, right, it will never come, right. So you have to make sure that you're giving them the exact information of what's happening in the market, right, and work accordingly, right, and uh, don't be just a door opener, right, and uh, just work with them and make sure you're there to buy the property. You're not shopping around.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love those. Those are great points. And I always try to, I, I always try to position myself as a guide, right? So I'm guiding you through this process. I'm jo- guiding you through this journey. Um, and you know, if, if it doesn't happen and my clients, you know, for the most part are like, well, you know what? It wasn't meant to be. Uh, so it didn't happen. Uh, I haven't had really anybody get, you know, they all know what's going on with the market, unless they're insulating themselves from TV and media. It's all over the world, man. Every, it's crazy right now, especially where we are in, in Canada. And so in, in, in the States, it's crazy, too. Just, but you just got to make sure that you, like you said, you manage the expectations and you be that guide for them to help guide them through the process and and help them understand. I mean, we didn't talk about first time home buyers. Uh, today for a great but they need a lot of hand holding right so uh, those are good points okay so before we wrap up here's the end we're going to talk about a news because a news how long have you been an agent for uh nine months nine months oh, man. how many wow. it's wild eh? how many uh how many uh agents do you have in your company nine into two eighteen 18, nine into two, 18 agents in your company in nine months. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I love this. It's, it is, it's, it's unreal. So, okay. So basically I want you to share, uh, how you got to where you are today. What are you, what have you been doing? Tell us your secret, your secret sauce. All
2: right. Uh, there, honestly, there's no secret sauce, right? It's all about, uh, being consistent right it's all about having your business plan right uh, I know a lot of people they jump into this business and they think that the red carpet is going to roll up for them and they're going to make a lot of money and then they're going to go on vacations and this and that right it's definitely not the case it can be the case right you can make it happen right provided you have the right business plan with you right so uh so when i started i started doing the swot analysis right so i looked at my strengths my uh, threats i i shouldn't call it threats because most of my threats are my opportunities right and uh, then my weaknesses so i started working on those aspects right and uh, i made a business plan and uh, i made sure that uh, there was no, no stone unturned right and uh, as soon as I started working, right, the first uh, biggest thing which uh, came across was the paperwork because I know with my first listing, right, uh, Will Mansoor was down with COVID, right, and uh, I had to call him at night at ten. I was like, oh. Hey, Will, I need your help with the paperwork. And poor did Will I, came online. Did I answer? You did, <laughs> you did. <laughs> right? You did. I made sure, <laughs> right, and. Uh, yeah, so that was my biggest uh, opportunity, I think, that time, right, uh, to start working on the paperwork. And that's something which I did. I uh, made a smoothie of it, right, of all the paperwork, right? I practiced, I practiced, I practiced, and I came down to a point where I can prepare an offer from scratch and finish and review it two times within 23 minutes because I time myself. And I do exactly the same with the, with my downline, right? I tell them every week, you have to send me an offer right and this is how you practice because you cannot play unless you have practiced yeah right yeah. so uh, so that worked right and uh, it's all about being uh, consistent yeah and you you like manage your entire downline
0: like i don't even talk to those guys i know them and i congratulate them on their success because they're all doing deals and half of them are part-timers and they're doing you know million plus dollar deals so and i've seen your phone where you've actually showed me the, the homework that you send these guys to do. And then they come, you, you like put big X's on it and you know, you're hilarious. And I'm like, this is awesome. But you've, you've actually helped these people and given them a lot in, in, in nine months. Like it's insane. And my point is, is that I don't think that these people that are with you and us would have been as good as they are today if they didn't have that one-on-one and one-to-many type of environment that we have it with our, with our collaboration
2: group. Right. Absolutely. will uh, because uh, there is another thing in there, right. Uh, you can call it me being a little selfish, right. Because I'm learning through them as well. Right. Because every, every transaction, every interaction I have, right. There is something to learn in there. Right. So that's my point in there. Like, I don't want to do maybe let's say 10, 15, 20 transactions personally every year. I want to do more than hundred, right. With my group along, right. So in one year, if I'm learning through all those hundred plus transactions, that's giving me a lot of experience, right. So I'm basically saving time, right. So what I would I would learn in next 10 years, I might learn in next two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair said, fair point. And, and, uh, are you teaching these guys how to run drip campaigns
2: and lead gen and all this stuff too? Like, it's funny. Uh, it's funny. Like uh, I, uh, when I started, right, uh, when I started interviewing brokerages, like any other realtor, I was like, oh, lead generation, right? And uh, until I met you, right? And uh, those 15 minutes conversation changed my prospect altogether, right, about how I think now right? Because lead generation, everybody thinks that, oh, lead generation is the most difficult thing. It's not. Lead generation is the easiest part, right? It's about the conversion, right? It's about having systems in place so that you are converting those leads. I can generate thousand leads in a week, right? You put money, right? And you you set up your ads, you can generate leads, but what are you going to do with them? So you have to have systems in place, which we have, Right. And uh, yes, I'm helping my downline and even like the group, even outside the group, I'm helping people, right, uh, to set up because at the end of the day, if they're doing good, they're happy, they're giving me best wishes, right, I'm happy.
0: Yeah. That's all you can ask for. I think that's I speak it. for all three of us here when I say our biggest reward is when somebody we've helped and mentored does something great. Um, and it has, for me, anyways, it has nothing to do with with money or anything. It has to do with, you know, the I share in their success and uh, you know, that's, that's huge for me. That's why I do what I do. So, and we help people. And there's been times where, you know, I'm more of a good cop and Sean's the the Bandit. Ask me about I, it. <laughs> like, uh, I've, called them, I've called them some other names, but uh, you know, we were, we were in the office uh, on Saturday, Sean popped in and stayed over at my place and, And uh, it's a funny story. It just goes to show you how, you know, he practices what he preaches, and he should. Uh, So Sean shows up at uh, my buddy's wife's 50th birthday. Uh, He knows me and my wife. That's it. He walks in the front door, takes an Uber to the party, comes into the kitchen, has a gin and water made for him by the host, stands with me for five minutes. What's up? We hug it out. And then, boom, it's like a smoke bomb went off, and he disappears for an hour. He doesn't know anybody but me and my wife and we're in the kitchen. I'm like, is he talking to my wife? I don't know where he is. So I go peek my head around the corner and there's big, bad Sean. Check out the big brain on Sean sitting at a dining room table with like eight people. He just met talking about the Calgary real estate market. And he's so comfortable. It's like he's holding court. And so I'm laughing. My like, I just shake my head. I'm like, oh, fuck. it's Sean classic. So anyways, uh, we then go back, he comes in and finds me, I guess he's exhausted that conversation, he has to start another one, he's not going to talk to me, because <laughs> I'm useless to him, right, and so, so anyways, he, he comes over, and I'm sitting at the table with one of my, <coughs> and Sean sits down, and I introduce him to Sean, and, and the three of us start talking about Calgary, and the market, and what's going on, and my my buddy, is his eyes are like, popping out of his head and uh and then when the night was over uh my buddy and I are going to invest in properties with Sean out in Calgary so (laughs) yeah you never know And, and so anyway Sunday morning we get into the office and uh Jeremy who's probably listening to this is sitting there and he sits his butts in the chair for maybe 10 minutes and this is the first time Jeremy's physically met Sean right and Adriano was there too and you were supposed to be as well but you were working and so, anyways, uh, Jer sits down and Sean doesn't even look at him, okay? He's like, he, he goes, this is the bad, big, big, bad bear, Sean. <laughs> what would you do yesterday? And Jerry's like, oh, I had a bunch of beers. And he goes, where? And he goes, at home. He goes, fuck, that's your first problem right there. And he goes, what, the beers? You had them. <laughs> You should have been out somewhere socializing with somebody to work real estate into the conversation right and jeremy's like oh shit hey what else did you do yesterday Oh, <laughs> uh, nothing that's another problem and so <laughs> long story short sean slapped him around and, and semi nice way and jared walked out of there feeling like a million bucks so it was uh that was kind of funny i was like sitting there on my computer just giggling like my whole upper body was shaking <laughs> pretty funny like you you don't want to Tell him a lie. Tell him a lie.
1: No, he can't. Because uh, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, my to, to, on that on that point to end on that point. Like, you know, if you're talking, if you're in a in a in a space where there's a lot of people, uh, Sean, you want to touch on it before we wrap up. There's always ways to work this into the
1: conversation, right? Oh, always. Yeah, yeah because the market is so hot right now. Uh, you having all that valuable information, people want it. You know what I mean? Like, people are excited when you're talking with enthusiasm and passion and everything. And you don't have to talk, like, you don't have to be fake excited, right? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not a, like, a, like, a outwardly high energy person. I don't think, like, I'm a relatively calm level person when you talk to me, but I'm excited about what I'm talking about. And that just translates through, through my words. I don't have to be like, oh, like, wow, oh, this is amazing, right? Like, I talk very normal and um, but my enthusiasm for what I'm talking about transfers and uh, like I'll give you a really good example. I've got so many of these I live in a downtown building. I think we talked on Max's story, right? Where I, uh, I think we talked about that last week. Amazing. <laughs> so another one, uh, same thing, like I live in a building downtown. I don't think we talked about this one. Stop me if we did. And um, you're supposed to book off times for the hot tub because of COVID, right? and uh you know me like i don't really follow rules all that well uh so i go down with uh sandra we go in, the, go in the hot tub and there's a couple sitting in there and i walk up i'm like oh do you mind if we use the hot tub and like oh you know we kind of booked this half hour i'm like okay perfect you know we book stuff all the time and you know he's over here so we just come when we want and then i just go inside the hot tub And uh... <laughs> with them in there uh, yeah he tried to tell me no right oh, okay. i just, just wanted anyway <laughs> awkward Uh, not for me right it's whatever and uh so we're there and we're talking or we're just sitting and obviously i'm gonna start a conversation with him and i warm up the combo for like you know 10 12 minutes and i found out the guy's from toronto and he moved here last year and he bought a house and i'm like okay cool like you're for sure sitting on cash and uh my condo building is a rental only you can't own in my building and uh so i know that he's got a rental property right and i'm like oh, okay well tell me about your house you got it rented out it's cash flow and what's going on he's he only oh, yeah, bought it for like nine hundred thousand, and you know we're kind of breaking even on it i'm like yeah that's the problem single family you break even it's no good i go you got to dump that pig and you got to buy a cash flow multifamily and he's like what do you mean i just called your nine hundred thousand dollar house a pig which in in toronto would be like a two million dollar house right yeah and uh Yeah. I'm like, it is. It's just, it's a pig. It's eating all your money, all your profits. You need to get some of the cash flows. And then, so we started talking about it and he's like, you know, funny enough, um, I just Googled realtors and I was working with a realtor and I don't know them. I've never met them, but they're just sending me auto searches. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, you sign anything? You're working with them? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, now you're working with me. And let me tell you how I work with investors. And I started talking and everything. And now we're going to go buy a couple of condos. Right? Love it, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you, were, you, you walked into the hot tub area and just, and I, I guess, I guess the, the, the moral of that story is don't be afraid to ask people questions and talk to them. I mean, you asked them some pretty personal questions there, right? And so, and he gave you the answer, but it was the way you asked him, and it was how you asked him, and the tone of your voice, probably the way you asked him. And then I love what you did at the end there. You just said, "Did you sign anything?" No. Well, you're working with me now. I'm your realtor. I'm going to be the guy to sell your investments. Uh, one of the things too that's important is, and not everybody is fortunate enough to own doors, right? So the the, the biggest part of owning doors is cash flow, and so. The more doors you own, the higher your cash flow is. It should be anyways. If it's not, you got a problem. But I think if you have experience owning doors and having cash flow and know how that works, that's going to go a long way. Like you learned a lot last year. You went to Grant Cardone's 10X conference. And I remember you called me. You came to my house on the way back. Another yeah. impromptu, Sean's <laughs> come and make up the guest room. He's going to be here in minus 45 minutes time this is what happened Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just landed
1: you landed yeah. where yeah. in Toronto what do you mean Can like, you pick me up man
0: <laughs> yeah i just landed in toronto can you pick me up thanks for the heads up you you've known for like 3 weeks but anyways uh, classic but anyways the the excitement in your voice i remember you called me from miami when you were at the 10x <coughs> you were like we got to buy multi we got to buy multifamily we got to buy doors yeah. Uh, many doors, not just one at a time. You, you were thinking too small and you're right. You were thinking too small. We had to buy bigger doors. Now we haven't bought a lot of doors yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, in one, one multifamily, uh, property, but we're going to, um, you know, and there, it was funny because I, I kind of think about this all the time. Uh, when you told me, you showed me a couple of MLS listings in Calgary and the buildings had, I don't know how many doors and they were 2 million bucks.
1: Yeah, well, so I wonder what they'd be worth them? today. Yeah, 3, 3.5. For sure. Yeah, easy. Yeah.
0: I wanted to end on a high note. Anyways, thanks, uh, guys. Really appreciate your time. Uh, this this has been wicked, as always, Anuj. Uh, you are our first guest. So there's a couple of firsts today. It's the first of the month. You're our first guest. And because this is the first of February, this is my two-year anniversary as a partner with Mr. Getty. And as a result of that, for those who can see this, I got my Getty got group. My buddy, head, <laughs> and he's got, he's got my the man. I like, the, this is a little more punchier. Yours is a little more classier. I don't know.
1: I look like I feel, I like, I feel that. like a dad in this. I feel like <laughs> I should have some responsibilities. <laughs> you, you, look, you look like you're going to go rob somebody at a fucking grocery store or something. <laughs> I look,
0: this is what Max looks like when he door knocks. He's like, yeah, literally. House, gold chains around, you know. He's got his white sneakers on. He's looking great, sharp as a tennis ball. I love it. Anyways, guys, thanks for uh, being on today, and uh, I enjoyed this a lot. And I'll see you guys on the next one.
2: Great, awesome. thank you. Which one, guys?